Welcome to the Person and the Power podcast with Pastor Tim Johnson, as he invites us to cultivate a deep and profound relationship with the Holy Spirit of the living and loving God. After 25 years of ministry, Pastor Tim's desire is that all of us would experience both the Spirit's transformational intimacy and the supernatural activity in our daily lives. Now, here's Pastor Tim. So what's a lot of fun is when people remember your podcast episodes, right? I don't do this for any other reason except God's called me to do this, to help us understand the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. But a few weeks ago, I shared this podcast about getting into trouble when I stole some wild grapes. I climbed the fence from our house to the neighbors, the Howards, and late into the evening, and Mr. Howard, even though I was behind the garage stealing, pillaging from the wild grape harvest, Mr. Howard caught me, and I thought my life was over. So pretty cool. Shout out to Coy Sampson, my dear brother, Pastor Coy Sampson. He delivered a bunch of wild grapes from his own harvest, so I would not have to steal some. I love the man. <laughs> hey, have I told you all that I got into some serious trouble one time stealing massive, massive amounts of dark chocolate? And so if anyone feels really bad about that and wants to deliver dark chocolate to my doorstep, um, I will be honored. I would be blessed. So anyway, I'm just kidding. I, I never got into trouble for stealing dark chocolate. But I do love dark, dark chocolate. All right, moving on to this week's podcast, Romans 8, as we continue. Man, we're about ready to get to the end of this thing. It's going to take a few more weeks. Now, don't no one get excited that we're like, ooh, we're two weeks away. Nah, I'm looking around. I've got, we got, oh, what, 10 verses left. So that's good for a while. That's good for 12 weeks now. It might be good for about six to eight weeks. So, but this, these next two verses we look at all have to do with call. Now we could get into the weed patch of these next two verses and many, many, many do. Just like last week, we talked about this real bungee tension cord between the free will of God, the free will of man and the sovereign will of God. We sovereign, God is sovereign. There is no question about that. But I think when we understand and how we understand man's free will, that will help us understand how we define the sovereignty of God, right? Sovereignty of God has to be evident, has to be one of the cornerstones of our theology, or we really don't believe in the God of the Bible. But I would say the same for our free will, man's free will, right? So last week we talked about the, those bungee cords, keeping those two in tension. Well, here again, we could get into the weed patch of predestination and whom God has chosen. And then there are some real passages of Scripture, Old and New Testament. How many people does God want saved? All. How many people does God want to perish? None. So if we believe that God has predestined and preordered and, and pre-picked people going to heaven and hell, then I don't know why there's a need for evangelism, and I've read lots of the arguments of why, and they just don't cut. They just don't cut it with me. They don't hold water. So again, we could get into the wheat patch here of verses twenty nine and thirty, uh, Romans eight twenty nine and thirty, but instead one word just stands out. One word screams at me, and it's call. It's call. It's the call of God on our lives. And so many people, so many times, we don't understand that God's called all of us, right? We're all called. 
We're all called differently. We're not all called to full-time ordained ministry, but we are all called to full-time ordained ministry. <laughs> uh, we'll come back to that, but that's exactly what I said. I meant what I said, and I said what I meant. Uh, Horton is faithful, 100%. Sorry, Dr. Seuss. But anyway, uh, that's exactly what I meant to say. Uh, we Not all of us are called to full-time ordained ministry, but all of us are called to full-time ordained ministry. All right, so we'll come back to that to explain that and kind of parse it and break it down. But first, a couple of thoughts here, just from my own personal perspective and my own personal story. So I believe... With all my heart now, looking back, 59 years old, been in ministry 25, 26 years, and looking back now, I remember now the very first time I believe I heard that I was called to be a pastor. Very first time. I don't remember exactly how old I was. Again, we're going to guess here, but I'm kind of thinking around 9, 10 Maybe 11. I don't think it was much older than 11. So I'm thinking somewhere in the 9 and 10 age range. So I had a pellet gun, right? And we, my daddy always told me, you know, you can shoot all the blackbirds you want. You can shoot crows if you can find them. But no songbirds. You can't shoot any songbirds, right? And that, including, that included morning doves, right? Um, we called them morning doves back then. And so I always saw them around the house in the morning and um, just, just now, interestingly, we went dove hunting, but I couldn't shoot just for the heck of it, a, a dove in my backyard, but we would go dove hunting. That was my favorite kind of hunting, by the way, We've gone deer hunting, rabbit hunting, squirrel hunting, frog hunting, called frog gigging, um, been uh, about every kind of hunting I think there is. I think turkey hunting is the only thing I've not done, but, um, but anyway, as far as, as far as like big game honey, I guess, uh, big game in Southern Indiana, that is, and Kentucky. But I, I love dove hunting, but you couldn't shoot birds. You couldn't shoot doves in, in the backyard with a pellet gun. All right. So we, when we found a dove that had been shot in our backyard, I, it was not me, but it had been shot and someone had shot a dove. We'd found a dove and we tried to nurse it back to health. So again, I, I was almost in trouble because my daddy thought maybe I had shot it, but I did not. But we tried, Pam and I, especially my twin sister and I, we tried to nurse this with this dove back to health. Well, it, we, we, it didn't work. We were not able to nurse the dove back to health and it died. And so we had the funeral. And so we found the shoebox. Y'all probably have done this before in some form or fashion with some kind of critter. But I found the shoebox and wrapped the, I think we wrapped the dove in a in an old cloth or something and, and we put it in a shoebox and we dug a hole in the backyard and we buried the, the, the shoebox with the dove. Well, I felt like we needed a funeral with the service. So you got to know that we, we went to church off and on, but we didn't go to church on a regular basis, but we would go to church off and on. So I knew about preachers and I knew about kind of churchy kind of stuff. I did not have any real relationship with Jesus Christ and did not for years and years and years and years. But, but I knew enough about church to, 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 to be able to play the part that could preach, play the part of a preacher. And so I, so I did. And I remember wearing a suit. And I'm pretty sure it was my daddy's suit. 
he, so again, if I'm 19 years old, my daddy was six, I want to say six three, six four, um, and tall and lean and and, and mean, hard army cussing, uh, fishing, hunting machine, <laughs> and and so if if I'm wearing his suit as a nine year old, you can imagine it draping all over me. I'm pretty sure that's what I was wearing. I don't I don't remember having any kind of suit of my own at the time as a nine year old. So so I wore my daddy's suit and uh, called the family together. Uh, I, I remember I know that. Pretty sure my um, uh, my sister was there, Pam. I'm not sure if Michael was there, and for whatever reason, I'm pretty. Well, it was jo- and Co- uh, Joanne and Kim and Jeff. And so again, if you remember um, Jeff last week, we talked about Jeff and Kim and Joanne last week. So this is Jeff. They were here for the summer, and so it was Jeff and Joanne and and Kim. And so I'm pretty sure it was those three. It was me and Pam again. Again, I don't remember if Michael was there, but we had this funeral service. And I did the funeral. I presided over the funeral at age, again, maybe even age eight, age nine, eight, nine, or 10. No longer, I don't think any older than 10. And I still remember to this day, so clearly, my oldest sister, Joanne, said, Timmy, you're going to be a preacher. And it actually stuck for a while. I, I kind of... Uh, I guess I played around with that idea of being a preacher and uh, Billy Graham, you know, was uh, big and getting bigger uh, during that time. And I I remembered thinking of myself as a preacher. I remembered thundering and storming around and yelling about Jesus, you know, but again, I didn't even have any real lasting faith at the time. But, but, but the first time I remember hearing about being called to be a preacher was when I was eight, nine years old officiating a funeral for a dove that had been shot and had fallen in our backyard. Wow. Talk about, you know, you can really go to town on the providence of God and the prevenient grace of God and and all that. Now, the next time was probably 12, 13 years old. Uh, Again, we were somewhat involved at that time in the youth group. Uh, I have shared before. I was baptized. Uh, I was confirmed and baptized at College Heights United Methodist Church. Uh, in E-Town, Kentucky, and went through went through the confirmation class. I was a part of the youth group, uh, uh, in and out and out and off and on. But we went through confirmation class, and I can honestly tell you the only two reasons I decided to go through confirmation and even decided to get baptized at the time. Now the baptism was more peer pressure, thinking that's what I had to do. But I got I went through confirmation and was baptized for two reasons. You've heard this before if you've heard it. You know if you know. And that was a blonde and a brunette. Dolly Sanders was the blonde and Rhonda Flowers was the brunette. And I had crushes on both of them. And so they were in confirmation class and youth. uh, They were in youth at the time. And so I can't remember how many were there, but it was a decent crowd. And and we had a lot of fun. One of my best friends at at the time was Chuck Lyons at the church. And so Chuck was there and me and my twin sister and, of course, Rhonda and Dolly. And so... I made a decision, quote unquote, to be baptized because that was what everyone was doing. But I do remember as Reverend Earl West was baptizing us and and confirming us that, and and Bruce and Joyce Seymour, I remember, were the youth leaders at the time, wonderful, precious people, loved them dearly, uh, instrumental, really, in my my early formation of of just knowing the grace and the love of God and and that uh, this wonderful, precious people. 
And uh, then there's the Don and Cheryl and Barry, incredible people. So again, just some shout outs to people that just God brings to mind right now. Um, and that, why don't you just pause right now? This is a little unorthodox, but pause right now. Wherever you are in your life as a Christian, would you just pause right now and just ask the Holy Spirit to bring three, four, five people to mind right now? Just three, four, five people to mind. And just allow God to fill you with gratitude. And if you need to reach out to them, Facebook or a text or finding their address and sending them, sending them a card, even a phone call, and just say, thank you. You remember Ray Boltz's song, uh, Thank You? Um, uh, and, and I'm not going to sing it. I could because I love that song. But you know, when you get to heaven and someone's going to come up and say, you, know, you taught my Sunday school. Or, you know, you, you, you did this. And that's why I know the Lord today. And these people that you've just thought of, these people that I've just named, these are instrumental people in, the, in, in, in helping us understand our call, right? Our call. Because I still believe that all of us are called into full-time ordained ministry, even though we may not be called into full-time ordained ministry. And it's people that God uses. Moments, yes. Time, yes. Events, yes. But people that speak into our lives. And so I remember all those people in my life as they spoke into my life as I was being baptized, not knowing a thing about baptism, not having a clue what baptism truly meant. But I do remember, just like the funeral at age eight or nine, it stuck. The, the, the baptism stuck for a while. Now it wore off, quote unquote. That's a, that's a whole nother theological discussion and debate. Uh, but it, it wore off because I just didn't stay intentional and didn't even really know what was happening. But at the time, it was profound for me to, to, to think that, that somehow or another, God had called me into a family uh, of, of, of brothers and sisters and called me to do ministry or to do service for the Lord at the time, again, 12, 13 years old, not talking about necessarily ministry as much as talking about serving the Lord. But the word was that the words that were used were, were called. You were, you're called into ministry. You're called to serve the Lord. So again, thoughts of being a preacher came back to mind, didn't they? You know, so those thoughts from eight to nine that I'd let go for 12, you know, three years, four years, they came back. 13, you know, 12, 13 years old. Well, they didn't last, and they they went the way of uh, driver's license and girlfriends and thoughts of uh, starting. A, I was was not going to go to college, but I was going to actually have a landscaping painting business. I love the outdoors, and I love working in the dirt, and I love manual labor, and I was just going to do uh, painting, outdoor painting and landscaping, and but uh, alas, got talked into going to uh, college, and uh, that was not a bad decision at all. But went through there and, and uh, actually was in at Elizabethtown Community College. And Beth Kahaney, a, a professor that I honestly, I don't even know if at the time, you know, she knew I was a good Christian boy. But uh, and again, I had a lot of people fooled. I had a lot of people fooled. You can fool a lot of people. Uh, a lot of the times with a, being a good Christian boy or a good Christian girl, good Christian man, good Christian woman, but not being, not having any relationship with Christ whatsoever. So as I was uh, at, at Elizabethtown Community College, ECC, 
uh, playing ping pong with Calvin Riggs and, and all the folk, you know, that, that I hung out with. Uh, I majored in journalism. Beth Kahaney, Miss Kahaney was the, the, uh, the teacher, the advisor for the journalism department. And she talked about how I had a gift of writing and had a gift of actually being relational. She said, you have a gift of being relational and you have a gift of writing and you have a gift of speaking. Now, that was unusual for me to hear. For those who know, I had that speech impediment for years and did not think of myself as a very good public speaker. I still don't think of myself as a public speaker. Uh, I think I'm a, I think I'm a, a good to decent preacher. Uh, I'm anointed, I think, to preach. But to be a public speaker, uh, I'm not polished at all. I'm not, uh, yeah, I've still, <laughs> there's a lot of things I say and there's still some uhs and does that I, I do, as you can tell in this podcast even. I'm just not the polished person that I think when I think of public speaking. But her words to me when she said, um, when she said, you know, you're, you've got special talents and gifts. And, and that was about 19, I was 19, 20. So now that's six years, right, from the baptism and confirmation. So once again, age you know, 18, 19, 20. I began to think about what would what does that mean? Now I was on my way to now journalism degree and thinking about now money and all that good stuff, right? So um, got married uh, four years later, got divorced, and uh, was well on my way in the journalism degree. But around age twenty five, twenty six, I was divorced. I really hit the lowest uh, one of the lowest parts of my life which was going to lead to the lowest six or seven years of my life even though I got married to my wife of 32 years now Pam 33 years now um and uh 32 yeah going on 33 and so here we are you know best and worst right Charles Dickens the best of times and worst of times and it was the best of times because I met Pam it was the best of times because I had a new lease on life if you will with an incredible woman a Godly, godly woman, as we've shared before with you. But it was the worst of times because I did not have a relationship with God. And around 25, 26, as I was struggling, struggling with my identity, my because uh, I'd just been divorced, um, uh, just really struggling with uh, any kind of motivation in my life besides just simply money for a job and money from a job. I was reminded by a couple of friends, just in almost in comments of passing, about just that I have a purpose in life. Now, this one is just the Lord. I'm going to give this credit only to the Lord. But one day, I remember one evening um, when I was 26, about 26 years old, I felt like the Lord, and I didn't have a prayer life, guys. I, I didn't, I didn't have a real deep relationship with God. But, but the Lord is never going to give up on your calling. Even if you do. I'll say that again. The Lord who calls people into full-time ordained ministry is never going to give up on your calling. Even though you do. Even when it's hard. And that night I remember, I think for the first time in my life, Seriously, for the first time in my life, I think I remember hearing God in my, in my spirit. Not a professing Christian. Not an audible voice. But I remember clearly being scared to death 
because I felt like I heard the Lord say, when are you going to surrender to the call I have on your life? When are you going to surrender to the call that I have on your life? And, and, and I wish I could tell you that that moment, you know, at age 26, almost 27, I went to my knees, you know, I shouted out to God, I cried out to God, I sought after God, and I ran back to the father, the prodigal son, and it's, we have a party, and nope, I ran, I did run the other way. I was so scared, and I, I said, no, 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 and I, I don't know why. I don't, I still, to this day, I don't remember exactly. I don't know. I can't really put my finger on why, except I was scared. I didn't want to submit. I didn't want to surrender. Maybe I didn't believe I was truly called from God, but I heard that voice, and it scared. It scared me. It scared me, and I ran the other way, and, and for six or seven long years, the best of times and worst of times, right? Married to my beautiful wife, started having kids and a job and money, and, and But the worst of times, because I ran, and those were when I began to get just so full of panic attacks and anxiety and even uh, depression, suicidal thoughts, uh, just I was making all kinds of money, rising up the corporate ladders, but just feeling miserable about life, never sleeping more than three to four hours a night of, uh, of sleep. Just, it was horrible, because I was not surrendering to the call of God on my life. Now, you know the story of when I accepted Christ, Promise Keepers, 1997, Cincinnati, Ohio, very shortly after. In fact, it may have been that Saturday where I realized that's when I'm calling. And that's really when I surrendered. That weekend is when I told Pam, or that weekend is when I told the Lord, I will do what you want me to do. I will surrender to the call. And long story short, we'll come back at some point here. Our time is is uh, is waning here, but we'll uh, I'll come back maybe with a part two eventually. But just to know that I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, the first call to be saved, right? Uh, and I think all are to be saved. I think all are to be saved. There's not a predetermined number. Uh, I, I think all are, and there's not a predestined number. There's all to be saved. God wants all to be saved. This is why the urgency of evangelism, the urgency to share the gospel. I came to Christ and then I said, I came to my call. I came to Christ, and then I came to the call. And, and then a few weeks later, I began to share that with Pam about, I believe we're supposed to go into full-time ordained ministry. So that is my call story. 25, 26 years later, it's, 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 it's not been easy at all. There have been times uh, that it's been a struggle bus. There have been times I've wanted to quit. There's been times I've wanted to just just give up. And I will tell you, I still, to this day, it's still hard sometimes. And I will say this, we're going to wrap up with reading this verse, Romans 8, 29 and 30. But, and I'm just going to leave that with you as you think about your own call. Where has God called you? And are you in, are you in that call? Have you answered that call? Do you know that call? Because here's the deal, here's the deal. as I now 26 years later in ministry, the call, answering calls, and keeping, listen, 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 answering the call and staying with a call is harder than ever before. I've seen people surrender their call. I've seen people just simply toss their call. I've seen people not embrace their call. I've seen people say the call got so hard after six months <laughs> that they gave it up. We are, to call, we are called into full-time ordained ministry, even though not all of us are called into full-time ordained ministry. Full-time means what? Full-time means we give our life away to the Lord. It does not mean that you have to get a job. Ordained? It depends on how you define ordained, right? If ordained means some board of 
ordained ministry with a denomination? No, not everyone's called into that. But if we are talking about ordained, meaning set apart from the Lord, picked apart from the Lord, selected by the Lord to do only what you can do, then yes, indeed, you are ordained. You are ordained for a calling that only you can fulfill, and it is full-time, my friend. So yes, we are all called into full-time ordained ministry, even though not all of us are called into full-time ordained ministry. Get it? Got it? Good. Romans eight twenty nine and 30. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. My friend, answer the call that God has on your life and give God the glory for it. Amen. Pastor Tim is the co-founder and teaching director of the Joshua Center, a leadership training ministry which provides deep biblical roots to great movements of God. He's also the senior pastor of Firmers Chapel, a country church by a creek, reaching 13 countries on four different continents for Jesus and his kingdom. Join us next time as we grow deeper in the person and the power.